to a river of water in the earth, fragrance of a rose in bloom, a newborn's cry at birth, how could I say there is no God when all around creation calls a singing bird, a mighty tree, the vast expanse of open sea. a clip from Brian Dirksen's song, Creation Calls. It's a beautiful song, a beautiful song of faith. It's an uplifting song, and if you have a chance, listen to the whole, uh, whole thing. It's become one of my favorites. Here's another favorite that's a song that's a favorite of the friendship group. He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole world in his hands. There's some other verses talk about us. He's got the tiny little baby in his hands. He's got you and me, brother, in his hands. He's got you and me, sister, in his hands. He's got everybody here in his hands. He's got the whole world in his hands. It's a reminder that God is ever-present in this world today. In one of our recent Bible studies, we were reminded that God created the heavens and the earth. And even though mankind messed it up, we still have a huge part to play as stewards of the earth. The earth is still a beautiful place, as demonstrated in the opening video. Our first Bible reading this morning is from Genesis 1, day 6 of creation. Okay, Paul and Gloria.
Thank you. Today, I'm going to focus on the last part of God's creation, us, mankind, humans. As you may have guessed from this little table here that I've got covered up with stuff, I'm going to have a little help from some objects that I brought with me. And here they are on the stage. I've been puttering around on a potter's wheel for several years and brought a few pots with me to help bring the message. Here comes the unveiling. This is new technology, folks. We're, we'll deal with it, right? Anyway, I brought a bunch of pots with me, and they're going to help me with uh, bringing the message. From my vis previous visits to the podium, some of you may remember that I love metaphors. Metaphors are picture images of real-life things. Often, when I want to understand something better, I'll look for a metaphor, a picture of something that helps me understand what I'm learning, thinking about, or studying. What this means is I'll be using the pots that are before me here to help us understand that God loves us. Now, I've been throwing pots for about 11 years and have fashioned about 325 of them during that time. I can honestly say that I love making them, throwing them on the wheel, glazing them, and then seeing the finished product. So here they are. I'll, 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 I'm afraid to look behind me. Are they on the screen? Okay, we'll do it this way. So here's a pot, nice color, nice shape. This one's a little different shape. It's twisted. And uh, it's got a little bit of markings on it. This one's got all full of holes. I wonder what that's used for. I think that might be a berry bowl. You throw berries in it and then the water drips off onto your counter. Here's another one full of holes, but this one is to hold, I think it's an orchid pot. So we put plants in that. Here's another one, it's a nice shape, nice color. And here's a really big one. It's got some mountains on the side. Can anybody tell me what they have in common? This, this is an interactive thing, folks. They're all what? They're all bowls. What else do they have in common? It's a really straight... They're the same creator. You know what they have in common is that they're all different. Now, that sounds a little strange to have the word different in commonality, but the common thing about them is they're all different. There's not a single one that's the same. Now, I like perfectly round pots, but I also like the ones that didn't turn out very round, and I had to have a twist in them. And I've tried to throw pots identical to each other, but it doesn't work. There's not a single one here that's the same, and of my 325 pots, you won't find any that are identical. 
Now, we just read from Genesis 1 that God made mankind in his image. And the Bible doesn't stop there. It says, and God saw that it was very good. He saw his creation, mankind, and he said it was very good. Not just good, not all right, or oh well, let's try that again. No, he saw that it was very good. And although I love making the pots, I can't say that all of my pots are very good. Many of them are, but most of them aren't. And so because I'm a sinful person, I do have favorites. God has no favorites. God made us, and he saw that his creation, mankind, was very good. So look around you. Go ahead, you know, look around you. Do, does anybody look the same as anyone else? Do we have any identical twins here? Even they look a little different, right? No. No, we don't. We're all different sizes, different shapes, different genders, different colors. We all look different. And yet God saw that it was very good. What he created was very good. His, ma- his creation, mankind, was very good, is very good. In Psalm 8, David writes about the majesty of God. I can't read it, it's too small back there. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. He talks about the majesty of God, and then he asks this question in verse 4, what is mankind that you are mindful of them, human beings that you care for them? In the previous verses, David talked about how awesome God's creation is, and he wonders how this awesome God can even care about insignificant man. The answer is in the next verses. And yet, you have made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. As children, many of us learned the song, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. It's also a favorite of our friendship group. As children, we also learned another song, Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world, red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. I think that somewhere between childhood and adulthood, many of us have forgotten that line and we've acquired prejudices. Even as Christians, we've acquired prejudices. Jesus loves all of his children, old and young, of all nations, of all abilities. He doesn't discriminate and have favorites like I do. He loves everyone of his creation. He loves everyone here. Our church has a vision statement that says, reaching out, drawing in, and creating mosaic community. The word mosaic was added in the last year or so. And I was concerned that no one outside of our church community, because we've had messages from the pulpit that identified what was a mosaic community. So I was concerned that nobody outside the church would know what a mosaic community was. So I sent a letter to the pastors. It was a nice letter. Pastor Harrison phoned me up and we chatted about it, and I still wasn't convinced that the word should belong in our vision statement. So I said something like this, but a mosaic is a picture created by taking broken pieces of something, pottery. You can't see it very well, but that's one little chip of mosaic. And we put them together to make a picture. And he said one word, exactly. I go, 
did you just use my argument against me? And he said, yes. So that's the picture of the mosaic, even though it was one small tile. And as I was preparing this message, it struck me how important the word mosaic is in our vision. River Park Church may have started with Dutch immigrants many years ago, but God's church is not made up of a single people, a single nation. God's church is made up of all peoples, regardless of shape, size, color, sex, or ability. Together, we become a beautiful picture of God's church, His creation. God doesn't love us because of what we have or because of what we don't have. He loves us because of who we are, His creation, His children. We are not defined by size. We are not defined by color. We are not defined by the ability or disability, health, or illness, those are things we have. So back to my pots. So I could put stuff in my pots, that's good, like this one would hold a lot of water. Water is good for a lot of things, right? I could put sugar in this one, well maybe not too much sugar, a little bit of sugar here. I could put vinegar in, I'll put that in the holy pot so it doesn't stick around. But chocolates, can't have enough of them, right? This would be filled with chocolates. So, just like I can put good stuff in my pots, God... Well, let me just back up a second. But not all the pots are the same size, so they all hold a different amount, and they all hold different things. If we imagine ourselves as pots, the God, the God has filled us, the pot He calls Chris... And the pots he calls each of you, he's filled us with gifts, abilities, skills, talents, capabilities. Some of you may think that your gifts and abilities only fill a small pot. Oh yeah, there it is. Some of you may think that it fills a pot this size. And some of you may have abilities that fill a big pot. Whatever the size of pot, whether it's big or small, you've been filled with gifts. You've been filled to the brim with gifts. God doesn't shortchange you. Having said that, what we do with our gifts is really important. Just like I can put stuff in my pots that's not so good, I could throw battery acid in there. I don't know why I would do that, but that's not very good to have. I could throw bleach or motor oil in them or used gum. <laughs> we can be miserable. Just like those, I could put bad stuff in the pots, we can fill ourselves with things that aren't good. We can be miserable. We can put people down. We can be selfish. We can be rude. We can be greedy. That's uh, enough of that. We're going to focus on the positive. So we all have these gifts, so now let's explore them a bit. Let's listen to what it says in 1 Corinthians 12. Okay, Jason. There are different kinds of 
Thank you, Jason. At our friendship group last fall, we studied a Bible series called Unwrapping Your Gifts. It's a part of the Together series provided by Friendship Ministries. And so for four or five weeks, we discovered what kind of gifts we'd received from God. We learned about the gift of understanding, helping others know good from bad and figure things out. Our friendship group will recognize these images because they come from the material. We learned about the gift of caring and encouraging, helping people through bad times. The gift of telling, telling others about Jesus, the gift of leading, leading and protecting and caring for people. We learned about the gift of explaining, learning from God's Word and explaining it to others. The gift of knowing, knowing for sure that we can trust what God tells us. The gift of creating, making and doing beautiful things. The gift of sharing, giving and sharing, sharing what we have with others. We learned about the gift of welcoming, welcoming both friends and strangers, and the gift of praying, praying for others. And finally, we learned about the gift of serving, helping, serving and helping others. Most importantly, we learned that all of us have at least one of these gifts. And most of us have several of them. We also learned that these gifts are from God. And then we talked about how we could use them. Once we figured out what each person's strongest gift was, we wrote them on sticky notes and put them together on the display. This is the picture of our friendship group's gifts. All those sticky notes are everyone, both mentors and, and uh, friends, whose gifts we identified as their strong gift. Notice how all the sticky notes touch each other. As individuals, we have many gifts. And we can see on the left-hand side there, it says, to friendship group from God. But God put us together as a friendship group. Working together, we are stronger. And you can see some of the other notes on the side there. It says, from friendship group to God. So as a group, we're able to do shoeboxes and pray over them, as you saw in the video. As a group, we could go to Shalem and share praises with the group there and the joy that we have. We pray for people in a prayer circle. We have an offering where we support uh, people in Africa. We have a Friendship Sunday, which we couldn't do by ourselves here. We do that as a group. So let's bring these groups back to our, these gifts back to our Mosaic community. 1 Corinthians 12 also uses a metaphor a picture image about the church. It talks about the church as a body, how every part of the body has a function. The eyes see, the ears hear, the heart pumps blood throughout our body, and so on. Every part is important, and every part is needed just where God wants it. And so it's with the church, the body of Christ. Each one of us is a separate and necessary part of it. Some of us are better at understanding or caring and encouraging. Some of us are better at telling or leading. Some of us are better at explaining or knowing. Some of us are better at creating or giving and sharing. Some of us are better at welcoming and praying. Some of us are better at serving and helping. This is a community of people working together 
using our gifts for the glory of God. Every one of us belongs to God. We're all part of the body of Christ, and we need each other. Jeremiah tells us about a vision he had. He says, The word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Alas, sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak. I'm too young. But the Lord said to me, Do not say, I am too young. You must go to everyone I send you and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. We're not alone. Even as a group, as a Mosaic community, we're not alone. Do not be afraid to use your gifts. God is with you. While we know that God loves us and He's given us all these wonderful gifts, we are broken. We're sinful. We argue, we fight, we get divorced, we have broken homes, there's wars and fighting all over the globe, and even the earth groans. Her earthquakes, floods, hurricanes, fires. How can it be that in the middle of all this that God loves us? How do we know for sure? In John 3.16 we read, I was hoping that one of my friends would yell it out because whenever we say that, there you go. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him will not perish but have everlasting life. And after Jesus rose from the dead, He appeared to His disciples in an upper room and He explains to them why He was crucified and rose again. He told them, this is what was written, the Messiah will suffer and, suffer and rise from the dead on the third days, and repentance for forgiveness of sins will be preached in His name to all nations. That's how we know for sure. I'm an imperfect potter. We are all imperfect, yet God loves us so much that He sent Jesus to be born in a lowly manger, to live among us, to show us how to live, and He paid the ultimate price to die on the cross, to take our place. And then He rose up again from the dead. Why? Because that's how much He loves us. So, some of you may have seen this before. Yeah, I know. The, the, pot was, the pot was sacrificed. Our lives are broken. No, right here. Our lives are broken just like this pot. We can't put our lives together any more than you or I can put this pot together. It's all in pieces. Jesus died on the cross. His death and resurrection make it possible for us to be made whole again. How can we say there is no God 
when all around us creation calls. God is calling you today through his word. Shall we pray? Lord Jesus, we long to be perfectly whole. We want you forever to live in our souls, break down every idol, cast out every foe. Now wash us, and we shall be whiter than snow. Lord Jesus, you see that we patiently wait. Come now and within us a new heart create. To those who have sought you, you never said no. Now wash us, and we shall be whiter than snow. In your name we pray. Amen.